0: facts candid conversations and some levity to lighten your day this is the kale Clark show on relevant radio
1: welcome to the program on this Thursday it's November the 30th the last day of the month 2023 you're talking to me kale Clark and you can call me actually and talk to me directly by dialing these digits punch them in on your smartphone or on your rotary phone. You can, does anyone still use a rotary phone? That would be an outlier for sure. But call in, 888 I kind of miss those phones. Had them when I was a kid. 888 Things were so much simpler back then, weren't they? Well, you probably heard the news that Spain has banned... Catholics from praying the rosary publicly in a certain location, this has a, become a major news story. We're going to get into this in just a little bit. This is far from the first time that Catholics have been persecuted publicly in Spain. Uh, it was much worse a few decades ago. And what we'll talk about this on the program. No doubt this has come across your social media feeds. And by the way, speaking of social media, you can follow me on the X app at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. And you can also email the program k l c a l e at relevantradiocom And we're going to talk. I was talking a little bit about stoicism yesterday, and I, I sort of asked the question: I wonder how compatible Catholicism is with stoicism. I actually did some some research into this. So if we have time, uh, we'll get into this as well. But it's also the feast day of Saint Andrew, the apostle, and I just love this guy. I love Andrew because Andrew can really help us. To bring people to jesus christ because we know that as catholics we're supposed to be doing evangelism we're supposed to be doing something called apostolate we're supposed to be sharing our faith but a lot of it would rather leave that to other people it's like i, I don't want to do this this is for someone else no it's for you as well and i i know that that the gospel reading for today's mass was taken from from matthew's gospel to call the apostles but I really like how, how John's gospel kind of fleshes this out. And and again, Andrew can really help. us. So I, I want to just look at what John says here. This is in John chapter 1. I'm just going to read a few verses here, just, to, just about seven verses here. It says, the next day, again, John, now by the way, this is a different John. This is John the Baptist. John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked, and he said, behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What do you seek? So these guys would not have been good secret agents. They were just kind of following along. I don't know whether they were hiding in the bushes or or what they were trying to do, but he's just like, Look, guys, I know you're there. What are you looking for? What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Are you staying at the Homewood Suites? You know, where, 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 where are you hold up here? And he said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. So keep in mind, Andrew was a follower of John the Baptist. He was one of the Baptist disciples up until this point. So one of the two who followed him, who followed Jesus, was Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, So you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. So I just love this passage for so many different reasons. And one of the things I love, just total sidebar here, is that John the Baptist he he was not looking to you know gather followers unto himself he wasn't looking to become a phenomenon he wasn't looking to to become a big shot he wanted people to find Jesus he wanted his whole existence was about pointing people to Jesus not drawing disciples after himself and that's one of the things that i love about John the baptizer and as soon as he pointed to Jesus and said behold the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world andrew's like I need to follow this guy. So he gets up with another disciple who we know is, is John the Apostle. He doesn't want to identify himself here. John the Evangelist. He's very, very humble, and he just calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he's kind of a stand-in for all of us because he always does the right thing in John's gospel, and he, he's always there. He's there at the foot of the cross. He never abandons Jesus. And Jesus, you know, when he turns around and says, what do you seek? You know, what, do, what are you looking for? You know, he said, come and see. And by the way, you got to think about how much time they spent with Jesus. We don't really think about this. It was approaching sundown. It was the Sabbath day. And John actually noted the time when when this actually happened. He said it was about 4 p.m. in the afternoon. So this was an incredibly powerful moment in his life when, when they met Jesus for the first time. And he, he remembered every single thing about it. And very often when there are pivotal moments in our lives with God, maybe God touches our heart in a special way. We discover a vocation. We discover, you know, the, when we met the person that, that God had called us to marry, that's, that's a vocation too, obviously. Um, God, God just has something amazing in our life. We very often remember everything about those times, or, or at least we should. And so what's really interesting is that they spent... The next twenty six hours with Jesus. Not that they just hung out with him for a little bit. They had to hang out with him for the next twenty six hours, and then after the Sabbath was over, then they could kind of travel again, and they could kind of take up those normal activities again. So they they got a lot out of that time. That you know, just over a day with Jesus, and what a, what a day it must have been. Because, man, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that room as as Jesus is just talking to these guys, and as soon as as they could. Andrew, of course, makes a beeline to his brother Simon and says, we found him. Found who? Found the Messiah. Yeah, right. And he brings his brother to Jesus. And Jesus, you know, identifies who he is. He says, you were Simon, son of Jonah, you'll be called Cephas. And that's, of course, Rock. He's the Rock. And it's amazing. I mean, there's no way that Andrew could have known when he started following Jesus that day, that his own brother was going to become the first Pope and all these incredible things were going to happen, and of course, both of them became martyrs for the lord and and so we, we've got to kind of be like andrew as well we've got to share the joy of meeting Jesus with everybody that we know and, and this is this is where where it becomes kind of tough for us because we 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 don't quite know how to do this and and by the way, Andrew pops up again later on with the feeding of the five thousand andrew's not like that prominent in the gospels we don't hear from him that much but jesus has been has been teaching the the vast multitudes for hours it's getting dark there's no food and some people are even telling jesus kind of like tell them to go home you know they've had enough they've got to get something to eat they've got to find a place to stay and we don't there's the, even 200 days of working would not be able to make we couldn't make enough money to feed these these people because remember the five thousand was just the men not counting the women and children In John chapter 6 and so Jesus says well you guys give him something to eat are we gonna do that And so Andrew finds this young guy this kid who had a couple loaves and two fish five loaves two fish and Jesus takes these gifts and of course he thanks the father and then of course the miracle of the multiplication of the loaves and fish and they had 12 wicker baskets left over by the way this was not a miracle of sharing as some liberal preachers try to tell you, you might have heard this in the 1970s, Well, oh, it's just a miracle of sharing. You know, the generosity of this kid just inspired the crowd. And you know what? The truth is they were hiding food all the time. They had kosher dill in their pockets. You know, they had they had uh, deli sandwiches. And they just, oh, it's just, ah, you know what? We're being selfish. We're kind of hoarding this food for ourselves. But let's just share it with everybody. No, that's not what happened. <clears throat> it was an honest-to-goodness supernatural miracle. And then, of course... Right after this, in John chapter 6, Jesus teaches about the Eucharist. And, of course, it's a Thursday. Jesus instituted the Eucharist at the first Mass, the Last Supper, on a Thursday. So it's always a good thing to think about the Eucharist on this day. And, by the way, don't forget to sign up for Father Rocky's Eucharistic Encounters, relevantradio.com slash encounter. Get the latest video. It's awesome. And Jesus, of course, shows there that he can do supernatural and amazing, miraculous things with bread. And then right after this in John chapter 6, he talks about how he can do miraculous things with his body. In fact, he can even take ordinary bread and turn it into his body, his body, blood, soul, and divinity. So check that out. That's his big sermon in Capernaum, Jesus, and that, and that comes after this. But the point of it is that Andrew facilitated this meeting of this kid with Jesus. Okay, go over to him and you know, give him what you got. And he facilitated the meeting, meeting of his brother, Simon, who became Peter with Jesus. And so he, he can really show us how to evangelize and how to um, to bring others to Christ. And, and oh yeah, one more time, I almost forgot. In the 12th chapter of John, this is a good one too, because there are a bunch of, of Greek speaking individuals that were looking for Jesus. They, they heard about his reputation and said, hey, we want to see Jesus. We wish to see Jesus. And Philip you know they, they kind of find philip because philip speaks greek they kind of think okay this guy can understand us philip brings these guys to andrew andrew you're the matchmaker guy you know what are you going to do andrew brings them to jesus and so as soon as jesus meets these guys these greek speaking guys he's like man jesus says the hour has now come for the son of man to be glorified this is kind of the beginning of the mission to the nations to all the gentiles and so this this really is is a key in the passion the light to the nations. And so this is, this is really, really important for us because we have to share in this, this mission. And, and Andrew can really help us do this, St. Andrew on his feast day taste. So we can really ask for his intercession. And so I've, I've talked about this in the past. Billy Graham, the evangelist Billy Graham, he wasn't Catholic, but uh, he, he knew how to, how to share the gospel. And we can steal some ideas from him. One of the things that that he used to do every time he had an evangelistic campaign in in any given city, he'd try to fill a stadium full of people, preach the gospel to them, whether it's Yankee Stadium or or another great stadium in the United States, and all around the world as well, he would do something, every city that they were going into, he would um, ask people to do something called Operation Andrew, Operation Andrew, and we can really, really pick up on this. This can really help us bring people to Jesus in the Catholic Church as well. And you say, I don't know, man, I don't have time for that. It's all I can do just to tread water. Don't ask me to swim. I can barely get to Mass and pray myself. Don't ask me to do apostolate. Don't ask me to try to share my faith. But maybe one day, you might be thinking to this to yourself, maybe one day when I'm not so busy, I've got my affairs in order, then I'll do it i'm gonna i'm gonna call nonsense on that okay because this is nothing more than just the survivor mentality all right jeff probst is not involved with this This has nothing to do with the tribe you know having spoken this is not that kind of survivor but this is the survivor mentality that says i i just don't have time i i can't do it i'm just trying to trying to we're called to do more than just survive in the catholic life we're called to thrive and Really what this is at the end of the day, I hate to say this, but this is spiritual lukewarmness. There's actually a Spanish priest. We're going to talk about Spain in just a second. But there is a Spanish priest who once wrote a book about lukewarmness in the faith. And you know what the title of the book was? It was called Later. Later. That was the, that was the, lukewarmness equals later. I'll do it later. I'll do it later. I'll procrastinate. I'll get around to it at some point. And you, you can't really look at the faith that way because we all have a baptismal vocation to something called holiness and apostolate. Holiness is becoming a saint, which we have to do to get to get to heaven. We've got to be saints. Got to be the best, the best version of ourselves. In the letter to the Hebrews, it says, "Without holiness, no one will see the Lord." So it's not optional. But it doesn't mean becoming weird or strange, like Ned Flanders on The Simpsons. You know that weird Christian guy next door. It just means being the best version of yourself. Yourself, but better. Does that sound good to you? Sounds pretty good to me. You're listening to The K. O. Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. So we're called to do that. We're also called to something called Apostolate. And when you read the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it makes it very, very clear that this is our mission to share the faith as well. So become more like Jesus, all right, and help people to meet Jesus. That, that's That's it in a nutshell. Now, it's easier said than done, of course, but we have to do a lot more then just be a good example to people. You know that alleged saying of of St. Francis of Assisi where he is alleged to have said, preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. We probably all heard this at some point. And you might know that Dr. Scott Hahn, who teaches at the Franciscan University of Steubenville, and I'm sure producer Jim knows the story because he's a graduate of Steubenville. He actually did some research into this, and he, he said that he asked a whole bunch of Franciscan scholars who are on staff there, where can I find this saying in St. Francis of Assisi's writings, preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. Well, guess what? It's not there. It's nothing more than a medieval, ecclesiastical urban legend. He never said it. Now, there's there's a bit of truth in this saying, of course, don't get me wrong, because clearly our example as well is a type of sermon, the way that we work, the way that we talk, the way that we carry ourselves, people kind of pick up on stuff. Our cheerfulness, we talked about this yesterday, we don't want the cheerfulness of a contented animal. You know, as St. Maria said, you know, I'm happy, I'm well fed, I've got a place to sleep. Our cheerfulness has to be supernatural. So we can't act like we've been baptized in lemon juice, right? There's so many people that look like they've been baptized in lemon juice, right? They just look bitter, you know? There's nothing, sometimes we're sad in life. There's no question. Sometimes we are sad. Things happen in life. That are truly very troubling on, on the world stage, but that is natural. But but to kind of carry yourself as a, as a habit in that in that state, there's nothing sanctifying in sadness for sadness's sake. All right, so we we've got to attract people with the joy of the gospel, joyful piety. We like to talk about that on Relevant Radio. We're going to have to at some point though, use some words to share our faith, because if our, if people do pick up on our example and say, I want what you've got, I don't know why you're peaceful, I don't know why you're happy, everybody else seems so miserable, at some point you're going to have to tell them why that is. So we are going to have to use words. But it doesn't mean that that you have to be a, a trained theologian in, in order to do it. Uh, say Alexander the Great, you, you, when he conquered much of the known world, he died very young, Achieved a lot at a young age, I'm telling you. But when he conquered much of the known world, the story is told about him, that when he was dying, someone asked him, where are all your treasures? Because he's obviously conquered a lot of lands. There's a lot of booty brought back. Where's all the loot? Where is it? I I don't see any of it. Is it on eBay? Are you trying to sell it? Where are the precious artifacts? And Alexander is purported to have said in this ancient legend, my treasures are all in the hands of my friends. In other words, he had given them all away. We have to give away our most important treasure as well. Our most valuable treasure is our faith. We have to give Jesus Christ to our friends. Introduce our friends to him, just as Andrew did. Cardinal Newman, St. John Henry Newman, when he he wrote letters to friends, on the eve of his conversion into the Catholic faith, he wrote these incredible letters to his friends. He was probably the most famous Protestant in the world. It would be like Billy Graham. Speaking of Billy Graham, if Billy Graham had become Catholic, it would have been front page news all around the world. Well, it was front page news when Cardinal Newman, he wasn't a cardinal at the time, a very famous Anglican, when he became Catholic, it was it was a, like a bombshell. And he wrote all these letters because he knew people wouldn't understand why he was doing it. And he, he, he said, I've got to share with you the truth about the Catholic faith. And, and here's one of his letters. He said, quote, what a doom would have been mine if I knew which the true church was. And to keep that secret hidden within my breast, what a doom would have been mine, I, if I know what the true Church of Jesus Christ is—the Catholic Church—and I don't tell people about this. That's a bad thing. That's a bad sign. And, and you know, this—I might not make it myself. So we we know that we have to share our faith, but how do we do it? How do we do it? Are we are we supposed to be like Billy Graham and start speaking on public stages and booking ourselves in at? Uh, Soldier Field in Chicago for for you know and see who shows up. Are we supposed to knock on doors two by two like Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons? Well, maybe we should. Why should we let them have all the fun? But sometimes this can work. This can actually work. But most people won't open the door to a stranger and talk about things like this. Some people will, but you need to earn the right to speak to people about something so personal—the relationship with God. But I, I'm going to tell you about another method that you can use, and again. I'm stealing this from Billy Graham, shamelessly so. If he sues me, that's okay. He's, 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 he's you know, hopefully in heaven now. He's passed away. But uh, his estate could still sue me. But I, I don't think they'll mind. I'm going to share with you another method that doesn't require you to overcome your fear of public speaking. You know, Seinfeld said it's people's number one fear, even more so than death. So at a funeral, most people would be rather in the casket than preaching or giving a eulogy. So it doesn't require you to be a public speaker. It doesn't require you to to knock on the doors of strangers. It's something else. And I think Andrew had it down. I'm going to share this with you after the break, but I'd love to hear your calls. 888-914-9149. Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Be right back.
0: fun. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio.
1: Uh, it's really hard to be in a bad mood when you hear Hootie, even though the dolphins make him cry. But... Um, Hey, the Dolphins are playing tonight, Thursday Night Football, but it is the Sea Chickens, the Seahawks, against the Dallas Cowboys. That should be a good game, actually. The Seahawks need to get back on track. Can they do it? Can Geno Smith continue the, the winning ways that he had last year as the Seahawks quarterback? And, of course, Dak Prescott playing pretty well. Kind of shooting for an MVP, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, it should be fun, but... Uh, before that, we got to finish the show, right? And uh, just before the break, we were talking about the fact that it's a feast day of Saint Andrew and Operation Andrew, uh, something I stole from shamelessly so from uh, from Billy Graham, as as Steve Jobs said, "Good artist copy, great artist steal." <laughs> it's for a good cause, though. It's for a good cause. I don't have to go to confession for this because it's helping bring people to Christ. I'm sure Billy wouldn't have minded. So, in every town that they went into, Billy Graham and his Evangelistic Association, they would do something called Operation Andrew. They get people to do this. And you and I can do this as well on this Feast Day of St. Andrew. It can help us to share Christ with our friends. So here's how it goes. Here's how it goes. Number one, it's kind of a, a multi-step plan, but it's really quick. And you can call in as well, 888-914-9149. If you're on the line, hang on. I'll get to you in just a couple of minutes. William, Pauline, I see you there. 888-914-9149. So the first thing you need to do in Operation Andrew is this need to look around. That's step one, look around. Where you live, where you work, where you go to school, wherever you're at, this is your mission field. Because every single one of us kind of lives in the center of a web of relationships, as it were. It starts with our family of origin, and we've got parents, we've got siblings, aunts, uncles, nieces, and nephews. If we get married, that doubles because we have our, our spouses side of the family as well. Then there are, of course, our coworkers, our school friends, guys we play pickup basketball with. The the house we buy comes with free neighbors, too. I don't know if you know that. It's your mission field, and the Lord has foreseen this from all eternity. And one of the reasons why you are where you are is because, you might not realize this, but you are exactly the right person to reach some of those people in your web who are lost and apart from God right now you might know a lot of people who are already in a relationship with God. You can help them to take that next step because they haven't arrived yet. They're not canonized saints yet. None of us are, but we're on the journey. So we, wherever people are, we have to get them to make that next step. And maybe that next step is beating Christ for the first time. And this is something that St. Paul preached about in Athens in Acts chapter 17. It's a great, great chapter to read. Great, great. Oh, man, I just. I'm so enthralled with St. Paul and his thought and his teaching. That's why we're doing this series on the letter to the Romans on the Faith Explained show, 1230 Central. It's so much fun. I hope you can join us, podcast, or listen live on the relevant radio app. Here's what St. Paul said in Acts chapter 17. He's preaching to these essentially pagans in, in Athens, and he said, from one man, he's talking about Adam, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined, he determined, God determined the exact Times set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek Him and perhaps reach out for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. End of quote. That is an awesome verse because it shows that where you live, where you work, where you are right now, who you know, it's not an accident. It's absolutely not an accident. God had a hand in this. So look around. Make a list of names of individuals that you know who need Jesus Christ. Commit to pray for them, for the people on your list regularly. So this, here's, here's step two in Operation Andrew. Look up. You've got to look around, first of all, and then you've got to look up. Look up in prayer, because God changes people through prayer. If he's truly sovereign, it makes sense to pray. If God is not in control, if God is not on the throne, then the only thing that really makes sense is furious activity. And and sometimes in the Catholic life we can get sucked into this. We we can get sucked into um, this idea of uh, you know just trying to do it all by dint of our own sheer will. But we have to slow down and give give the gift of prayer. We have to give the other people in our lives the gift of of your prayer for them. We're coming up to the season of giving at Christmas time. Give people prayer. And it's free, you know. Pray every day for people that are on your list. Your op- you can make an Operation Andrew list of people, you know, five or six or seven people that that you're in touch with. That God will give you opportunities to share some more about His love with them. Maybe it'll come up in conversation naturally. It's like Saint Monica, right, with with her son Augustine, who had become a pretty famous pagan in his own right. And even though he was raised a Catholic, he fell away from the church, lived a life of debauchery, promiscuity, fathered at least one child out of wedlock. Yeah, he became a Canonized saint, lived illicitly with his girlfriend when he was in the RCAA program. He got caught up, in a, in, and he, he had been in a religious cult called the Manichees for several years. So many young people today have followed that same kind of path, not exactly, but he seemed like a hopeless case from a human perspective. But Monica prayed for him, and she, he kind of tuned her out as, as his mom, but she prayed that somebody else would come into his life, and, and that prayer was answered, St. Ambrose. The Monica's pastor, Bishop Ambrose, he actually got involved with Augustine's life. And uh, But one of the pieces of advice that Ambrose gave to Monica, very famously, you know this, because she was complaining, oh, Augustine's not going to church, and he's not listening, and yada, yada, yada. And he said, look, Monica, you need to talk to God about Augustine about three times as much as you talk to Augustine about God. And so that's pretty good advice. So start with prayer. And, of course, he came back home and became one of the greatest saints of all time. All three of them canonized saints. Ambrose, Augustine, Monica. How about that? And Augustine and Ambrose are actually doctors of the church, too. So, so there's that. So there's prayer, and then, of course, there is sacrifice. Um, St. Jose Maria Escriva, the founder of Opus Dei, he recommended this. He said, first prayer, then sacrifice. Do some mortifications for, for this person on your list. Um, sanctify your work. Offer up hours of work for specific people, uh, especially the tasks that you don't like to do, that you find unpleasant can try doing a little fast, maybe skipping a meal once per month or once per week or whatever, fasting for a friend, if you will, Uh, not taking sugar in your coffee, if that's your habit, just just little things that you can do to mortify yourself and offer that sacrifice up for this person's spiritual good. And this is kind of the hidden apostolate. And and, and Scott Hahn says it's a little bit like an iceberg. Um, the vast bulk of an iceberg is hidden under the surface of the water. You, you may not, you know, see it, but it's pretty powerful. An iceberg sunk the Titanic, right? So you you can you can sink the Titanic's in people's lives. The, the things that keep them from God, the strongholds that that keep them away from Christ, and and they'll find out in eternity what you've done for them. And and you know, you may not get a chance to, to tell them, but that's okay. You just prayer and sacrifice. But then, in the last thing, there is, of course action that's really really important that's that's the last thing st jose maria said first prayer then sacrifice then in the third place very much in the third place action so here's action so this is step number 3 in operation andrew it's look out look out so we got to look out for ways to cultivate your friendships with every person on your prayer list spend some time with them take them to a ball game take them to dinner take them to lunch figure out ways you get in conversations with them to talk about christ don't don't be preachy about it, um, but you can open up conversation. Sometimes stuff happens naturally, just stuff that you're talking about. But then other times you can actually share your story, and it's it's kind of a non-obtrusive way. You can just talk about something God's doing in your life, for example, a little elevator pitch. Hard to argue with that, you know. God God has just given me peace in my life. Well, what are they going to say? No, He hasn't, you know. But but the, the biggest skill that you need is listening. Of course, you got to you got to listen. You've got to ask them what they think, ask them what they believe, and, and then really listen to them afterwards. Don't, don't plan out the next thing you're going to say. Don't play mental chess. Just listen to what they're saying. And it's incredible how that opens up people because then, very interestingly, they will turn around and ask you a question. Well, what do you think about this? Or what do you believe? Tell me about your spiritual journey. People love to talk about that. And then they'll very often turn around and ask you. And that, that's important. Because friendships are, are, are very much like a bridge, and you can't drive a truckload of truth across the bridge of friendship unless it's strong enough to hold it. So you've really got to develop that relationship. Now, sometimes you can evangelize a stranger for sure, like the door knockers that we all know. But very often, you need it needs to be done in the context of, of a relationship. And that's how the early Christians really did it. If you look at their methods, there there were no public masses. You couldn't have an open-air mass in the coliseum with the Pope. The Pope was usually martyred. All the early Popes were martyred. Nobody even knew who the Pope was half the time because he was getting killed all the time. So you couldn't do that. You couldn't invite people to go to Mass. Masses were private. They were members only in people's homes. You had to be initiated to get in. There were spies about it. They would tell on the Catholics to the authorities and, and try to get them arrested. So this was done in the context of relationship out, out in society and and i think just talking to people and asking them about what their obstacles to faith might be you need to know the specific thing that's holding your friend back cuz everybody's kind of got a thing you got to you got to uncover what that is what's the what's the obstacle in the road and so listening is really the key to that asking them questions use the socratic method it's a good way it's a good approach to do it and then just a, just a couple more things real real quick um don't get your phone calls triple eight nine one four nine one four nine so step four is to look forward so try to look for an opportunity to do something with them faith based um for Billy Graham it was invite people to the Billy Graham they were called Crusade at the time they don't call them that anymore for obvious reasons but uh invite people to the Billy Graham talk well you can invite somebody to I don't know um Gather around in your home and pray the family rosary with Father Rocky, something like that. Or you can invite them to a mass this Advent. Hey, there's a confession night happening. If your friend's Catholic, maybe they haven't been to confession in five years. You know, why, why don't you just come with me? You know, any interest in that? We can go out and grab a coffee afterwards or something like that. Give them a book it could be something that they can do on their own. This is good because their defenses are down when they're by themselves. They're not trying to defend themselves or why they are who they are or why they're not following Christ or whatever the case may, might be give them an article. The apostolate of article giving is email them something that that is, that's a good thing to do. You can share an episode of this program or, or another show on relevant radio using our share feature on the relevant radio app. That's, that's an unobtrusive way to do it. Um, so I think, I think this, is, this is not a bad, not a bad uh, approach. So look forward to trying to do something with them or give them something. And then the last step is you've got to look after them. You've got to look after them. That's the last thing. Look after. I, I can't tell you how many times. I used to teach RCIA in my local parish. I can't tell you how many. This is really sad. Every year we had people who came through RCIA and they were super enthusiastic. And they were super on fire, or they said they were on fire. After Easter, we would track down with these people, and a great majority—not not the majority, but a lot of them—simply stop practicing the faith. Even in the very year they become Catholic, why is that? It's multifaceted, but I think in some ways we tend to abandon people. Sometimes we we think they're doing okay, you know, just—but maybe they're not. Maybe they're not. We've got to stick with our friends, and, and that's especially true if they're not responsive to, to the gospel, if they're not responsive to the faith. You know, God gives everybody a guardian angel, a personal a personal guardian angel that never leaves their side no matter what they do, what evil they do, how far they run away from God. And we kinda of have to be like that. We have to we don't approve of what they're doing, but we, we, we don't leave our friends to move on to other promising prospects. <laughs> um we, sometimes our friends need us the most when we think that they're not interested at all, and, and that may be the time that they're really open. You never know. So this is Operation Andrew. So just a recap for you. It's a it's a five step process. Number one, look around. Number two, look up. You got to pray. Number three, look out. What look out for opportunities to share with them. Number four, look forward. Offer them something. Invite them to something specific. Number five, look after them. So it, it's a nice little device. It's a it's a device that you can maybe memorize And Operation Andrew. And ask St. Andrew to pray for you. He's such a great evangelist, of course. And brought the first pope to Jesus. How about that? How about that? All right, let's go to the phones right now. Let's go to William in Chicago. I know, William, you called in yesterday. We didn't get to this, so I'm glad you called back. Yes. Hello? Hi, you're on the air. Thank you for waiting. You're so patient. You're very, you've got the virtue of patience down, Pat. I I love that.
0: Oh, thank you very much. And I've enjoyed greatly what you've
1: been speaking
0: so far, and it sounds great. And I listen from time to time. It's been very helpful. Oh,
1: thanks. My question
0: was no problem. My question was about Mark chapter four, Mm. verse five, and some seeds going to the wayside
1: and Mm -hmm. I was
0: wondering if you could give some insight on that whatever insight you give will be helpful
1: Oh, thank you William and that's um that verse of course is is part of the parable of the sower um, Mark 4 chapter 5 sorry (laughs) chapter 5 verse no chapter 4 verse 5 I'm losing it I'm losing it Um, where Jesus says other seeds fell on rocky ground where it had not much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And then when the sun rose it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. And what's what's interesting about this parable, it's interesting it's actually very appropriate to what we were talking about with Operation Andrew and trying to share our our faith. And what's what's interesting is that in Mark, in the very next little section there in Mark, he, he actually explains the parable to his disciples behind closed doors and he tells them what it's all about. So really the um it's called the parable of the sower but it's really the parable of the soils and the soil represents the human heart when it encounters the word of God which is like a seed it does it does it bring forth fruit in a person's life. And and he gives kind of four different examples. The seed along the path, um seed on rocky ground which is the one you're talking about. And then it the seed that falls among thorns and then the seeds that fall into good soil. And, you know, the funny thing is, we, we each of us have been every single one of those different soils at some point in our life where we're, we're open to the message or we're not open to the message, we're being fruitful, we're not being so fruitful. So it's not just different types of individuals and their responses. We, we've all kind of been there if we're honest with ourselves. And so what, well, let's see, see what Jesus has to say about this. Uh, we, we don't have time to go through all of, the, all of them, but let's go with the one you talked about, the seed that falls on rocky ground. All right, he says uh, in Mark four sixteen, These are the ones sown upon rocky ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves. They endure for a while, but then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So th- this is um uh this is the person who is kind of they're excited about the gospel initially and it sounds good to them and they they're really impressed and and they they're they're really almost enjoying their newfound faith but as soon as persecution happens as soon as the tide turns against them the fact that they're only partially committed that that really does uh come through and and so They lack these deep roots. Um, There's not much soil. And so we really need to have deep roots in our faith in order to withstand. It's kind of like a tree when there's a massive hurricane. Unless the tree has really deep roots, it's going to be felled. It's going to fall. And uh, so it's really, really important to to get those deep roots in, in Christ and get that formation that we need in the faith. And not just intellectual formation, but spiritual formation, to be praying, to be to be deep in, a, in our relationship, to be receiving the sacraments as much as possible. And I, I think that's what helps us to, to get to that next level, to kind of improve the soil, till the soil of our hearts, if you will, if that makes any sense. So we kind of need to, to do things on, on several levels. There are a lot of people that I know that they're incredibly intelligent. They know a lot about the faith. They study the faith a lot, but they don't pray. They don't pray. And they don't, they don't have much of a spiritual life going well you know salvation it's good to know things right but we have to act on that knowledge and and knowledge can help us because you can't love somebody that you don't know but at the end of the day salvation is not a pop quiz where we're asked you know how much do you know you know d- give me the list of you know what are the what are the uh, what are the three theological virtues you know that's a, the you know faith hope and love but the question is going to be did you love did you love God and love other people how did you actually What's the evidence of your faith? That's going to be on the exam, for sure, Like, and we can't get away from that. So um, I don't know if that helps, William. I don't know if you're still there, but does that help you to know, understand that a little bit more?
0: Yes. Uh, I was trying to apply that the upcoming election. I hmm. like both candidates hmm. and the honesty to what presumably is best for the hmm. vote cast and would i be wrong for voting someone to the wayside whom i like a great deal for an ideal
1: well yeah i tell you what yeah it's it can't be about personalities and that's that's one of the things that um i don't want to get into politics and who you should vote for and stuff like that but uh every citizen every catholic citizen has to um it's a, it's, a, it's a matter of obligation to, to vote and to, um, uh, to vote according to your conscience and um, have that conscience be well formed in the faith, for sure. There are lots of voting guides for Catholics online that you can kind of peruse and look at Father Rocky himself wrote one, actually, uh, not too long ago, a few years ago. Um, and, and yeah, but the thing is that personalities can blind people and especially in our media age to what they're actually saying that that's an important thing that you brought up but william thanks for the call man i appreciate the listen uh, we got to take a quick break right now but if you're on the line hang in there 888 9149 we'll be right back on the clark show
0: this is the clark show on relevant radio
1: Welcome back to the program, 888 9149 is the number to call to talk to me for free. 888 9149 Well, you probably heard about this. It's all over social media, that in Spain, the socialist government is trying to ban Catholics from praying the rosary publicly, especially in one particular location, <laughs> while well, the, the attempted ban didn't work out too well for them. And uh, what happened was on Monday... Uh, following orders, the uh, socialist Francisco Martin Aguirre, uh, this is the government delegate in Madrid. The police threatened to fine a group of Catholics for praying on the stairs of a church on Ferraz Street. Now, this is being reported by the Libertarian Catholic. Uh, this place is near the national headquarters of the Socialist Party, and um, what what this is really all about? I, I don't know too much about the details, but. Uh, This had been a small group of people were praying the rosary there for some days and um, they weren't really bothering anybody. And, And this was all because of president Pedro Sanchez's announcement of giving amnesty to violent separatist criminals, even prosecuted and guilty terrorists. And so people had an issue with this and they began praying the rosary and, um, the ban on praying the rosary of these people, they're like, get out of here, you're not allowed to pray the rosary here. Well, what completely backfired. And this is all over Twitter, it's all over social media. There are huge crowds of people that turned out, hundreds of people. It uh, had completely the opposite effect of what the government was looking for. And um, the crowd has only increased by the day, and the national police has been deployed to try to prevent people from getting close to the government headquarters. Um, Wow so i don't know I don't know what you think about this, but a lot of people are saying that this is an attack on religious freedom, and uh those who have gathered uh, to pray the rosary peacefully, singing songs, transmitting a really clear message to the government that praying is not a crime Very recently in England, you might remember this in the u k there was uh somebody who was arrested for praying near an abortion clinic against abortion, of course and this person wasn't even saying anything out loud. They weren't praying the rosary out loud. This woman was arrested for simply praying in her head. Talk about the thought police. And, and there's a video of this that you, you may have seen. And she was asked by the authorities, what are you doing? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just standing here. Are you praying? Yes, I'm praying. Okay, you're under arrest. Ridiculous. Absolutely insane. And uh, so, at any rate, um, there is some thought that the organizer of the rosary protest in Spain, authorities are on the hunt for this person. Uh, so people are pretty tense about this. Is this is this person going to be arrested? So they're praying for him as well. And this is not the first time, by the way, that there have been clashes between uh, government officials in Spain and the Catholic Church. And, uh, and this isn't recent, but it's a uh, it's fairly recent in the history of the world. If you look at the big picture. The Spanish Civil War. Most people don't know anything about this, but the Spanish Civil War was incredibly bloody, and this took place, uh, it started in 1936. And this was one of the greatest, uh, one of the worst uh, cases of martyrdoms of Catholics anywhere in the world at any time. Uh, A leftist uh, Republican region uh, just unleashed Unbelievable systematic violence against Catholics, and especially bishops and clergy. 6,832 priests were martyred, 13 bishops. Most of it happened in the summer of of 1936 in the wake of a military coup. It's it's called, by the way, the the Terror Rojo, the Red Terror in Spanish. And uh, Priests were forced to dig their own graves before being shot and buried in them. Uh, Catholics were forced to swallow their own rosaries. I mean, there, there, churches were burned. Um, and so it was a very, very, very dangerous time to be a Catholic. And um, this is around the time, by the way, that that Saint Jose Maria uh, Escriva, the founder of Opus Dei, I mentioned him earlier in the program. When when he started Opus Dei, it was, it was in Spain. It was in Madrid, and he had to go into hiding. There was a there was actually they there were some uh, criminals that actually tried to kill him. They actually killed a different priest that looked like him. And he was hung uh, outside of the building where he was to show up. And, and, and he heard about this and it was you know just a nightmare. They thought they killed him. It wasn't him, obviously, but, um, it was just a, just an incredibly bloody, um, persecution of Catholics in the 20th century that most people don't know about. In fact, over 400, uh, Victims were beatified at one time in the Vatican uh, just a few years ago as one of the largest groups of beatifications, if not the biggest ever, of a group. And um, there's a famous picture, and uh, it's in black and white. It's it's. Uh, I'd love to get a, a like a framed photo of this. This is it's this amazing photo after the Spanish Civil War. They, they had to rebuild, and, and Madrid was kind of in ruins. And Saint Jose Maria went to this student residence that he had started uh, way back before the war and it was just in, in ruin it was just crumbled they there you know it's just a disaster area and there's a picture of him standing in the rubble along with his brother Santiago and um uh a guy named juan Vargas who was like a military doctor and they were like looking at the debris and, and it just it's it looks like such a depressing photo but later on San jose Maria was asked what were you thinking when you saw this, the ruins of you know, what you tried to do and tried to build? And he said, the one thought in my head was optimism, optimism. And we have to be optimistic about our faith. There's, there's no question about it. We can't be pessimistic. So many people struggle with pessimism, especially when it comes to evangelism. And that's why Andrew is such an important saint for us, Operation Andrew, that there will be persecutions against us. But God will be victorious, and his gospel will not be denied and we know how the story ends. It, we have a lot of reason for optimism, and there are people looking for Jesus Christ, and that's why we're here at Relevant Radio, to bring Christ to the world through the media. Let's go to Rudy in Westminster, California. Hey, Rudy, welcome to the program. Thank you very much once again. It's good, hey, actually, it's good to are Yeah, we're the royal priesthood because we're basically king, prophets, and teachers. Mm. We're supposed to go out there mm-hmm. as a king of our kingdom, expand it, profit, they went out there and then teach the people. Mm-hmm. The other thing that uh, Deacon Doug told us one time in the RCIA program, which you may use this anytime you like, <laughs> <Sure>. plant, <laughs> bloom where you are planted. Mm-hmm. And I always love that. And that's what I use. So I just wanted to share that with you. Yeah, no, that's 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 great. That's great. a great word, Rudy. really appreciate that. And that kind of plays into what we were talking about earlier, St. Paul and Athens and in Acts chapter 17, where he said, God determined the exact places where people should live. And that's true, I think, of our individual circumstances as well. They're not unknown by God. They're not unforeseen by God. And he kind of providentially arranges things so that we're kind of in touch with people that need him in our own family, of course, and also people around us in the extended world. And And we just have to kind of open our eyes to that sometimes. And yeah, when you talked about the, the offices of Christ, that threefold office of prophet, priest, and king, we we share in those offices through our baptism. We really do. We, we, um, we're we not all ministerial priests, of course, but that was true in, in the Old Testament too, the nation of Israel. Uh, they were a royal priesthood, a holy nation as a group, but then there was this, within that group, there were the Levites, the tribe of Levi, and they had the priestly duties. But everybody sort of shared in that priesthood. And what do priests do? Well, they make sacrifices for people. And they, they're they a bridge. They're a pontifex, if you will. They bring people to God. And that's what we have to do as well. Prophets, they speak the truth of God. That's what we have to do. We have to tell people the truth about themselves, about God, about about life, about reality, about the afterlife. They may not want to hear these things. Uh, it's more comfortable to believe the lies. And then if we're faithful in, in all of discharging. This mission that we have, then we will reign with Christ for all eternity. And that's what we kind of share in his kingship. And that's the reign of Christ is not seen with human eyes right now, but he is on the throne at the right hand of the Father. We can't see that, but we know it. We know it. We have faith. We believe in all our hearts that we have to do that. Jesus said, Hey, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? And let it not be said of you and I that we didn't have that faith. So. That's what it's all about. And uh, thanks for joining me. Thanks for our call, Rudy. Really appreciate that. Thanks for joining me for this hour of the Cale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Share it with a friend. You can go to the Relevant Radio app. And by the way, while you're there, you're going to want to sign up for RelevantRadio.com carols, our beautiful Christmas carol series, which we're having for Advent. Take advantage of that. Three beautiful choirs that you're not going to want to miss. i will fill you with the joy of the season. And go to AdventWithScrooge.com to sign up for a christmas carol once again it's back from our friends at the merry beggars and uh, kids of all ages love it and you will as well jim shaper produced miranda sinicero took your phone calls take it away michaela
0: thank you for listening to my daddy